Hello. All right, I'm on. Uh, thanks, One, for that introduction. Uh, thank you for having me uh, and allowing me the opportunity to come share with you from God's Word. Uh, it is a great privilege, um, really, uh, just because it is God's Word. Uh, and there is nothing more important. Sorry, I, think, I feel like my jacket's going to keep doing that. So I'm just going to pop it down here on the floor. Um, uh, I have no idea what I'm doing wrong, guys. Sorry. All right. So thanks for reading that as well, One. Um, and as you guys have been going through Corinthians, I hope you have realized, and I think you should have realized by now, that uh, not only is 1 Corinthians about a messy grace, but it is really about a messy church, right? Like the messy grace applies to a messy church. And um, I think part of the reason, and I hope you guys are noticing, is just where the church is located. It's just who is in the church. You know, the church is made up of people like you and me, and those in Corinth had more opportunities for sin. Corinth was a great city. Uh, a lot of things were happening. A lot of Greeks and Jews lived in Corinth. Corinth was one of the major cities there. And, uh, and obviously, as you get in big cities like Pretoria or Johannesburg or any big city around the world, you have a lot of opportunity for messy things to happen. I am sorry. I, I don't know. Is it uh, the strapping? Sorry. I'm gonna, thank you. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, should I switch it off? Hello? Oh, there you go. That's going to work for me as well. Uh, yes, so, 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 so um, it is about messy people. Messy people who Jesus applies his grace to. Um, and, and, and by the way, this is a good point to note that uh, this is the reality of the church even today. And I'm sure it won't go far. So where I come from, the church I come from, as One said, it's Central Baptist. Uh, we have existed for quite a bit of time. And so I can tell you uh, a little bit of the big mess that has happened over the history of Central Baptist. You just have to take some of the, uh, the, the notes from the elders meeting or the council meeting and read through over the years, over the hundred years Central Baptist has been around. And you'll see there were points when I don't know how Central survived. I have no idea how Central survived. There have been uh, issues with pastors, as happens within the church. There have been issues among elders. There have been issues among youth pastors. There have been many, many issues, many, many opportunities for the church to go down. If we leave Central and just look at our news, there are issues like this everywhere. You read it about churches, right? Where you hear, you know, in this, well, recently this week, by the way, there was a pastor who was arrested at uh, Port Elizabeth. The pastor apparently was sleeping with the girls who were coming to help, uh, who were coming to him for help. So it is alleged at this point, we are unsure, obviously, and guess what's going to happen? They are obviously going to look to take it to court. So now, as I'm preparing the sermon, I'm like, thanks, one, for giving me chapter six. I was like, I wish I had the other chapters, but I've read through and I've been following with you, uh, listening to the sermons online. And it's been great, by the way, um, just to keep track of where is God leading uh, rooted fellowship. So today we find ourselves again in chapter six. Now, chapter six, so I think it's going to be popping up. We're going to walk our way uh, through it. Uh, to try and see what does Paul have to say about this issue when two messy people, three messy people, a couple of messy people come together 
and do messy things, how do you solve that? How do you solve that? You just finished, I, so I know Johan last week spoke on sexual immorality. Uh, again, if ever there was a reason to, co to go to court, it's when sexual immorality goes into the picture, right? Like, there's, if there ever there's a reason to go to court, let someone sleep with someone who they're not supposed to sleep with, and court cases happen, right? That's how lawyers make money, right? There, there is a lawsuit waiting to happen. But before I, before I pop in even into the lawsuits that these Christians are having with each other, the reason I asked one to start at chapter 5, verse 9, is please note that Paul is writing this letter to believers in Corinth. He's writing the letter. You know, Corinthians is one of those letters I'm always tempted to say, this must have been non-believers, guaranteed. These people could not have believed the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Look at the things they're bringing up. I mean, this guy is sleeping with his dad's wife. It's like, wait, what? Dad's wife? Like, so you get it. Maybe it's like this guy slept with another girl. Okay. But dad's wife? He did that? In the church. In the church. Right? And I'm so tempted to quickly climb on my high horse, right? Until I just have to look so quickly within and say, well, this is not so far-fetched from our current generation and current city and current place. Like I said, example, there's a pastor who has stopped at Port Elizabeth that he was sleeping with the ladies he's supposed to help. This is us. This is the church today. Paul is writing this letter. He's saying, church in South Africa, I've got a letter for you, right? About a messy grace to a messy people. We are a messy people. I wrote this letter to, uh, for you to not associate with sexually immoral, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world, or those people, greedy, swindlers, idolaters, since then you would have to go out of the world. But now I'm writing to you. So I'm writing to you, the church. I'm writing to you, the church. Don't quickly take the letter and say, yo, world, let me tell you something. This is for you, those who call upon me, right, as father. This is for you. So that's important. And the reason that's important is if you're in here and you say, I'm still investigating Jesus, I'm checking him out, I'm not so sure about him, there's a lot in Corinthians that's going to come that you might say, ah, oh, I'm still not so sure about that. And that's okay. Because the story that we have with you is you still have to find out who is Jesus. You still have to say, Lord, I want to know you. Right? We're still stuck there. The others, the rest of us, it's like we say the Spirit of God has revealed himself to us. He's revealed Jesus to us, right? And we say we are in a constant, every day, wanting to know Jesus. We pray, Jesus, reveal yourself to us. Remember 1 Corinthians 2, 2, Jesus, uh, Paul says to the Corinthians, what does he say? For I decided to know nothing else among you except Jesus Christ. That's all I want you to know. Jesus Christ and him crucified. 1 Corinthians is filled with a cross. Remember what Jesus did on the cross? Remember what Jesus did on the cross? Remember what Jesus, and you guys have been going through that. You guys have been going through that. So I thought that's a good context. That's a good backdrop. Because Paul knows if you don't keep running back to the cross, you are messy people doing messy things, and it's going to be impossible to fix. Now in chapter 6, clearly, a few of them have decided to fix it without looking at the cross, and hence the letter is written, and they've decided to take each other to court. And Paul has something to say about that. 
verse 1. When, you, when one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to the law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more than uh, matters pertaining to this life? So if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? Now, this is a very interesting thing. It's, it's, it's helping us understand how do we deal with decision between brothers. How do we deal with decisions between brothers? How are we to engage with each other when we come to those matters that we feel like there's no other resolution, right? There's no other resolution. How do we deal with it? Now, again, because the letters to believers, we have a beginning standpoint. We have a better beginning standpoint. The reason that Paul encourages brothers not to go to human court has nothing to do with human courts. I'll have to say this as a start. Human courts are great. They're good. We have a constitution. Our courts are led and ruled by the constitution. We as a people came together before 1996. We wrote a preamble. We said, we the people of this great country have decided these things. So let me not butcher our uh, note. I am not a lawyer. That's why I don't know the preamble by heart. So don't judge me. Uh, I, I have to make sure I look at my notes because I do have the preamble here in case you wanted to note what the preamble said. Um, and the preamble goes something like this. Um, if you live in South Africa, this is what you said, whether you said it or not. You were like, uh, but I never said that. It's sort of implied that you said it. We, the people of South Africa, recognize the injustices of the past, honor those who suffered for justice and freedom in our land, respect those who have worked to build and develop our country, and believe that South Africa belongs to all who live in it, united in our diversity. And we, therefore, and then it um, pops us into the rest of the Constitution. So this is what we said. We believe that. We say we, the people, believe these things. And because we believe this, we make a covenant to each other to fix the stuff of the past, to do what? In 1996, that's what we said, right? And the laws of this country are governed by that Constitution. And then we go on to make laws on how to live better with one another. What is the best way to live better with one another considering our past, considering the future we want, considering our ideals, considering all those things. So there's nothing wrong with human courts. And matter of fact, Paul, to show you that he has nothing wrong with human courts, he wrote another letter to the Romans, right? And in chapter 13 to the Romans, you know what he says? He says, listen, be subject to the authorities. Peter, who's Paul's, the other apostle, was a disciple, also says, honor the king. So the Bible has nothing against authorities. But it's got a different word for you who call yourself brothers because of Jesus. That cannot be the first stop. When we are having conversation with each other and we struggle, our first standpoint cannot be, I'm taking you to court because it's my right. That's what Paul is saying. When we're dealing with each other, the first standpoint cannot be, Oh, okay, you went there. I'm going to show you what I can do. I've got a lawyer, right? You don't know who I am. <laughs> the problem with you is you don't know who I am. You don't know who my dad is. Huh? You don't know who my dad You know the temptation, right? And because that temptation is built out of what? A lot of personal pride, right? Like it's a, it's a lot of like you don't know who I am. You don't know what I can do to you. There's a lot of boasting in it. And Paul even engages that, right? Like, you guys are so different to us. I go for poverty, you go for riches. Remember in chapter 4? I think you guys went through chapter 4. Paul, Paul is engaging them to say, 
guys, I would much rather you imitate me. But you know what you do? You like the people in your city. You want to talk like the big shots of your city. You want to say you don't know who I am, right? Because you also want to have that ticket at the back of your, let me show you who I am. I'm going to have my, I'm not, next time we talk, I'm not the one going to be talking to you. I'm going to be talking to my lawyer. And in Pretoria, it's probably from Adams and Adams. I think that's, is that the Godi guys in Pretoria? I, I don't know these things. I'm still learning. So that's the thing. So, so, so Paul is not discouraging human courts in that way. He's just saying for brethren, that's not our first place to go. The reason is our first place to go is this. Right? This is what rules us. This is what guides us. God's word, even more clearly God himself speaking to us, addressing. He addresses everything. And this is what I have come to learn in my many years um, as being a Christian. He has an answer to everything. Now, you might not think he has the answer, right? There are situations or issues that come and we're like, ah, the Bible's out of, the Bible doesn't know how to deal with that. The, the, the Bible, you know, out of context, it, it just doesn't deal with those issues. And Trust me, Paul is going to deal with those issues, and I'm grateful that we stopped at verse 8, because some of those issues are coming from verse 9, which one tells me you guys are going to deal with in a later stage. Because there are other issues that we tend to feel in this day and age. Surely the Bible's too old for that, but it's not. God has the answer for it, and so we can trust him. So when you have an issue against another brother, look at Christ, right? Look at his word. Look what he has to deal with. Jesus himself is a great example for us, right? Jesus is a great example. He doesn't take on the rights he deserved. If anyone had rights, if anyone had a card at the back pocket, it was Jesus, right? You don't know who you're talking to? Oh, yeah, I don't know who I'm talking to. How many times did it happen to Jesus? And guess what he does? He lets her go. And why does he do that? For the sake of the person he's talking to, right? Jesus, whatever was done to him, he put it aside for the sake of the person he was talking to. Oh, that I may know you, right? Oh, that you could be a part of this Corinthian church, that you may know Jesus and him crucified. I wish I can tell you about the cross. So what if you're going to do something to me? It's okay, right? I mean, he even had that time when they're coming to arrest them, Peter says, I'm going to show you what I can do. Chops off a guy's ear. Jesus picks up the ear and says, oh, no, let's not do that, Peter. But Jesus, you know what they're about to do to you. You have every right to fight back. Every right to fight back. Jesus doesn't. Jesus never did for the sake of the person on the other side. Now, there's two types of people when it comes to court cases. There's a person who brings a case. Something has been done to me, so I'm taking you to court. And there's someone who's done something, right? In this church, obviously, some, someone did something to another. So, and, and by the way, you just have to be around long enough to know you've been on both sides of those cases, right? You've been the one who's done something to another person and needed mercy and forgiveness. And you've also been someone who something's been done to and needed to give forgiveness, right? So this is the dealings between the brethren. And what makes... Why does Paul, when they're dealing between the brethren, why does he call us to run back to the word? Why does he call us to run back to the word? Well, he calls us to run back to the word because 
that is where our greatest example is, right? So, so run back to your people. So listen to what it says um, in verse, um, sorry, verse 4. So if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who don't have a standing in the church? Much rather lay them with those who have a standing in the church because they will apply God's word to your cases, right? We would much rather apply God's word to cases rather than taking them to people who have no understanding of God's word, uh, what it has to say. Um, you lay them, how dare you, verse 1, go to the law before the unrighteous instead of the saints. Now, this is a very difficult situation because our temptation is to not live in the light with each other. It's our temptation. So I struggle to say, I'm going to go to one with this case. Because then I have to really be clear to one that, one man, so there's this situation, right? There's a situation, but that's, where, that's who to go to. That's who to go to before I run to the courts. And by the way, we, we can talk about the many reasons, and you can see why we have to run to God's word. Here, I, I, I put down a few examples, because I said, this is a very practical uh, a sermon that we have to give. Think about it. What are the many law cases? And I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. What, what are clear places where we can go to court with each other? The most common. Money. Another. Divorce. Another. Okay, let's deal with those two. That's all right. Let, 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 let's deal with those two. Let's, let's st we'll start with divorce. If I run to a lawyer, right, and I say, say for whatever reason, me and my wife are calling it, uh, our reasons in this day and age are sometimes very weak, granted, you know, uh, we, we tend to go there for even less reasons than maybe our parents would have, but nonetheless, we go to cases, let's say for adultery, right, and it's one of the ones Paul deals with later, right, he says, um, those who will not inherit the kingdom, adulterers are some of them. Now, we whether I commit adultery, my wife does, but that's when I'm like, I'm calling it. I'm calling it, right? Paul would say to us, no, first go to your brothers before you go to court, right, to go handle that. What would my brother, what should my brother say to me? I'll tell you what my brother should say to me. Oh, Sam, this is, this is so hard. It's tough. Of course it's tough. I don't take it for granted. You made vows to each other. But you know what else he said when you got married? He said, like Christ loves his church. Now, that's a difficult one. Because you know what Christ does for his church? He dies for her before she even says yes to him. Right? While you are still in your messy state. At what point does Jesus leave us? Never. Right? He will never leave you nor forsake you. We hold on to that promise. And so husbands in the room, we have a tough situation. Tough. If you ever wanted it to be tough, get married. <laughs> right? It's heavyweight. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy. That's why you go to brothers. Then I say to one, one, this burden is too heavy. I can't. I can't. Every time I look at her, I just can't look at her. And one says, let me pray again, brother. Let me pray again with you. What's my lawyer going to say to me? How much are we trying to schnai her, dude? <laughs> How much does she want because we're trying to cut it? Whatever she's looking for, we're cutting half. We're cutting half, Right? That's exactly, that's exactly what the lawyer would, that's the advice the lawyer gives. And guess, we pay the lawyer more for schneiding more, right? It's like, oh, you did a great job. Why? Because you schneid her more, right? And it's like, ah, oh, 
that's not the gospel, right? My brother would say, but that's not the gospel. Now, you can be on both sides of that court case. You could be the one needing to receive the forgiveness. And you're saying, please, I, I, you have no reason to forgive me, brother. But because of Jesus, forgive me. Let's try sort it out. We've both been in both sides of that, right? So you're not always going to be the one needing to give forgiveness. You might be on the other side of that, right? Needing to receive it. And we both understand both sides. We both understand both sides. Now, you might say, okay, Sam, it's all easy for you to say, but where's the justice in that, right? Because that's what's missing. If, you, if you're thinking about it, you're like, oh, it's easy to give forgiveness. Oh, give forgiveness. Where's the justice? Oh, the cross. For I determined to know nothing else among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The cross. Hence, if you go to the next part, why not be defrauded? But you yourself wrong and defraud even your own brother. Why rather not be defrauded? Why would Paul write, why not be defrauded? Because it's nothing. Remember the cross? It's been paid for. It's been paid for. It's not like it's an injustice. Think about David. Oh, my goodness. Imagine Bathsheba's husband who had to go. Bathsheba's husband's parents must be thinking that is a true injustice that needs to be paid for. Why does David go scot-free? Right? It's adultery and murder together. Now there's a lawsuit for you. Jesus paid for it. It's tough. This is, what we, this is what, how we deal with it in the church. It, it doesn't seem right, but this is the beauty of grace. It only elevates grace more. How can those Christians forgive each other for that? How could they forgive each other for that? Who's watched the movie Les Mis? You know in the movie Les Mis? It's a beautiful scene, right? Uh, but whether the singing one. I like the other one more. The, it's Liam Neeson, right? It's just the singing one works. But the other one sort of tells the story a little bit better. With the priest, right? The priest comes, Liam Neeson steals stuff, they have him over for the night, he steals stuff, he walks away with it, and, you know, they catch him, and he's been to jail, so this is it, this is the three strikes, he's out, he's never coming out, after that they're throwing away the keys, and he comes back with the stuff, and he says, no, I got it from the priest, he's lying, he walks in, and it's like, no, he's caught, he's at the mercy of this priest. The priest looks at him, with that stuff, he says, no, I gave it to him, I'd rather be defrauded. Perfect picture of a little taste of grace, right? Now, who, it's easy to think the hero in the story is who? Is, is the priest, right? But that's not where the story ends. For the priest, it goes with a little bit further, right? It's a, oh, now that I've allowed you to defraud me in this way, remember you've defrauded another even more than this, right? And he gives you mercy. Accept the mercy. Accept the grace. Don't walk away just saying, I'm in the church. Run back to the cross together. Right? How can we fix this? Let's run back to the cross together. That's the thing. It doesn't stop with us. Now, it's easy when I'm making these examples that can feel so far removed from me. But come close. let's come closer to home. Right? Oh, we have so many issues that we would take people to court for if we had the chance. Family. Right? I, I don't know all of you guys, but I know we all have stories like 
if you only knew what my family has done to me. Sam, if you only knew what my family has done to me. Take it to brothers. Take it to brothers. Let's not go to unbelievers first. Let's not go to unbelievers first. Take it to brothers. Talk about it with each other. What am I supposed to do here? Brother, sister, this is a tough situation. But you know why you can trust it? Because if you go back to the start, Paul's reasoning for why you should go about things this way has to do with what is to come, right? So if you need a better motivation, what is to come? So you might be like, Sam, so what is to come for those who call themselves brothers? Now, if you are not a Christian in here, this is where you must listen up. Oh, if you only knew what is to come for those who put their faith in Jesus, right? Paul even touches on it, by the way, a little bit. He says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard what the Lord has for those who love him. No eyes. Like, you cannot begin to imagine. We need Christopher Nolan and his friends, and we still haven't even begun to start, right? Because Christopher Nolan's the go-to guy. Like, it's a, he makes things up. You're like, oh, that guy's mind is really messed He's messed up. He's, I mean, how did he come up with Inception and all that? It's pretty messed up. But even that, he cannot even begin to make us imagine what awaits us. Paul touches a little bit on it. One of it is going to be judging. One, for some odd reason, we deserve judgment. Jesus comes in, takes the wrath of God on himself. Now, not only are you not going to be judged, you go off scot-free and you get to sit on the throne with Jesus and judge. <laughs> it makes no sense. It makes no, no eye has seen or no ear has heard. We can't even begin to imagine, right? I can't imagine it. But I can only try and make you understand it. There is so much more for you to come. Hence, you can take your defraud. And listen, we've got way more than we bargained for. We got off scot-free. We're good. Right? This is your reasoning for being able to be able to deal with the situation. What is coming? Now, you're going to make these judgments on people. How can you judge these trivial cases? How can you trust the wisdom of the world? You know what the wisdom of the world says? It says you need to get off right this side of the world right? Let's fix it now. And this is where it gets very tough for my black brothers and sisters, right? Oh, this is a tough one for me. I, I won't lie. Listen, my hand is up. You can, I'm an entrepreneur. I think one led with that. Um, you, 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 you always struggle as an entrepreneur, you know, when you need like funding or, or, or any of these things, you're like, yeah, but I don't have that, like, you know, I, I can't put anything on. And then always the first voice that comes into your head, right, is like, yeah, Jesus is right. Huh? <laughs> yeah, it's tough, it's tough, it's tough. Uh, yeah, no, it's tough, it's tough, right? Because, because you feel like, oh, this, there's this great injustice that's been done to us, right? And then you start walking in, you look people scared, you're like, ah. Uh, right? This is a tough one. But we have so much more already, guys. If you are in the church, you have so... We, it, can, it might not be fixed, this side of the world. It might not. But you know what we need to say to both our black brothers and our white brothers and sisters? Oh, there's so much more. Forget that. Forget that and let's move on and run to God because there's so much more there. You don't want to make it the side and keep your land and miss Jesus. Right? Let's not do that. 
let's not do that. And the other side is the other way, right? If you thought Julius is radical, Jesus is more radical. Do you know about the text collector? You know the text collector? He comes to Christ. What happens after he comes to Christ? Gives back everything. Three times more, it says. Because the law in the church, the law amongst the people of God is sacrifice. That is the law. How can I sacrifice myself for the sake that others may hear this great gospel? How can I, sac how can I give it up? So imagine we're all in the church trying to sacrifice, out-sacrifice each other, right? Others, let's move with this uh, challenge of our history, right? My white brother will be like, how can I help you? How can I sacrifice? Because I know you've got the black tax thing, and I know this, and I know, and the white br black brother says, don't worry, I'm also trying to sacrifice. If you can help, by the way, let's sacrifice for that other brother rather than me, because I think I can handle it. How do we just keep out-sacrificing each other? It will be so different. And I bet you in Corinth back then, it would have changed everything. Because the Corinthians would say, dude, it's obvious, take him to court. He says, nah, not in the church. Not in the church. Grace. How can we just give grace? How can we give grace? How can we give grace? Now, why... In the world, I'm coming to the end. Why in the world would we even try? Like, what motivates us? What motivates us? You see that at the end, verses 11. Uh, I'm just going to skip. I'm going to skip verse 9 and 10. You guys are going to deal with that. But read verse 11. So I, I, I'll read. Or oh, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom? Do not be deceived. Do not be fools. In other words, neither the sexually immoral, idolatrous, adulterous, nor men who practice homosexuality, no thieves, no greedy, no drunkards, no revilers, no swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. So how did they stop being that? So if you're not a Christian, you're like, yeah, but I get all, I get all of that. But you said this letter is written to the church, and this is how the church, there were, they were these people. All of us were these people, right? All of us, we, we, we were one of those or all of those at the same time. Right? But you are washed you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God started something in you. It changed a heart of stone that takes people to court as its first right. And it put in a heart of flesh that is more receptive to what God would call us to. And it softened us. And when we want to fight back for ourselves, we say, no, God has it. God, the, the day of judgment is coming. And all I can say to you is avoid the day of judgment. Run to Jesus. And why the name of Jesus is such a big thing is in case you wonder, why, what's this whole thing about the name? Because the name of Jesus is Yahweh saves. So whether you say Yahweh or Yahweh saves, it doesn't. So it's a promise, right? If you're black, normally this is, it, it applies more to black people because we, we give names that have meaning. This is one of those. Yahweh saves. You can trust. It's in his name, right? It's in his name. The name says Jesus or Yahweh is going to save. Do you want to be saved? Do you see a fault in you? Do you, do you see yourself as any one of those? Do you see yourself as one who's been hurt? Do you see yourself as one who wants to hurt? Do you see whichever way you apply yourself, Yahweh saves. 
and it's why we run to his name. I cannot say it. It's impossible for me. It's impossible for me. It's impossible for you. It's impossible for any one of you. None of us can save. But Yahweh does. Yahweh saves. Right? And because he has, because he saved, Church Rooted Fellowship, Church of Pretoria, Church of South Africa, oh, share this gospel. Right? Point others to him. Rather be defrauded. Right? Fix it. Fix it among each other. Trust each other with this. I can know to run to one of you with my challenge because I know you're going to point me to this truth. And that's the only thing practically we have to trust, promise each other. That the promise we have to make with each other, the promise rooted us to make with each other is every time we come together, when I come to you with my dirty, mercy stuff, point me to grace. Right? Point me to grace. Don't give me the legal thing first. Point. Use the wisdom that God gives you. I don't know what it might mean. I don't have all the answers, guys. I really don't. I know it can be really messy at times. But you are going to be part of making serious judgments in heaven, even on angels. So the tough part of judging is coming. This is still the easy part. Apply grace to each other. Trust each other with this stuff. Trust each other with this stuff. Um, so, what do you take off? What's an easy take-home? I think an easy take-home is that. I think uh, another easy take-home, I think, is just how, how do I not start with everyone? How do I start with a few? You know, how do I start with one or two people that I can say, I'm going to trust you with this. I've got serious issues with this and this so that we can begin to apply grace to it. Start with a few. You know, note someone who's close to you. Um, that's why I think sometimes discipleship groups are always helpful, though they always change. Um, I always say this uh, to people I'm discipling. Um, and by the way, you can pray. Up. There's a, a guy I'm meeting with called Bula. You can be praying for him. He's not a Christian yet, but uh, we're spending some good time. But I always say this when we have things. So it's, it's always easy for us to say, oh, man, I don't want to share the hard things. It's so tough to share the hard things. But can you imagine for a second if you're one of those people in the Bible? Like you are David. The stuff is out there in the open. Like turn to First Samuel chapter. It's like, oh, no, my dirty laundry again. Like it's a, you know, it's, it, it, can, it could be worse. So sharing it with one or two is not that hard. Imagine your stuff was printed on the printing press a long time ago. It's like, oh, there goes my dirt again. You know, <laughs> that, that could be us. But let's be more like Joseph with his brothers who sold him. And forgave them. And you know, and this is the final word. You know what he said to them? What you meant for evil, God meant for good. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. And then we can both all run to the cross and thank Jesus for it. Oh, we are forever thankful for it. I know you come from Isa. I think you did 1 Corinthians 15 or something. Oh, the cross will never, we can never go tired of the cross, guys. It covers so much. So much that you're still to do. <laughs> right? It's not just for the past. It's for the future sins. The cross covers it. And then we run back there. Because what we meant for evil, God meant for good. Let me just pray for us.
Lord, uh, we want to be like Paul. And Father, say the statement, we decided to know nothing else among ourselves except you, Jesus. Yahweh saves. And how you saved, you crucified. Oh, you bore a cross, Father, for our sins. Lord, sins committed and sins still to be committed. Sins committed against each other. I know, Father, uh, I'm one of those. I'm one of those in desperate need of forgiveness constantly. Con forgiveness from you, forgiveness from brother, from sister. Uh, Lord, uh, especially thinking about the marrieds in here, how constantly the need for forgiveness is there. Lord, um, we need to extend to each other this forgiveness instead of quickly running to the courts. Lord, um, a verse in there that says it is already to our defeat if we go to the courts. We've already lost. What are we saying about you if we go to the courts? Do we say your grace cannot extend to that too? Rather not, Lord. We want to point and shine a light on your great mercy and your great grace. So, Lord, I pray for the power of the cross that can help us live out these lives. This is so difficult. I pray, Father, cause us to find one or two people in the room who we can share these things with. This is so difficult. But, Lord, we never want to trust the law of men over the law of God. Thank you for your law that says grace covers all. Father, I pray for Rooted Fellowship and I pray for the church overall. Thinking about the many issues that come up. Lord, help us be really a city on a hill. Help us shed light on this great grace. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen.